Hey y'all, this is Culture Soup, where tech, culture, and business collide. It's a podcast that spoons up everything hot from social media. I'm your host, L. Michelle Smith, and each episode, we bring you some of the most notable and not yet notable thought leaders in tech, business, and culture. If you've ever sat in a corporate marketing department or corporate communications, you come across a variety of agencies and agency types. It's fair to say that they are not all created equally. Now, I, for one, have always treated my agency partners like they were team members. Perhaps it confused my team members that I treated them so well, but as an extension of my team, I felt getting complete buy-in from my agency teams meant that the work product would be even better. Morale is better. I don't believe in treating agency partners like slaves or people who are supposed to do my bidding. All that to be said, I respect smart agency people. I used to be one <laughs> for about 20 of my years before I went into corporate owning my own and then working for about three different global agencies. So I have a perspective on how agency teams should be, agency leadership should be, and how we should interact. And I always made it a point not to be the evil client. That being said, when I meet agency people who are extra smart and extra buttoned up, they get my attention immediately and I let them know. That's the case with Ashina Roman and Roy Broderick. Roy and Ashina have a high touch when it comes to client management, and client interaction. They're also very, very smart. The first time I met Roy was in the lobby at some Miami hotel for Black Enterprise Women of Power. And he was there at the check-in desk with my registration, my conference badge, my conference bag, and instructions on everything I needed to know the minute I walked through the door. Blown away. I loved working with Roy. Ashina always had some insights-driven strategy that made sense from top to bottom. It's probably why I've stayed in contact with the two of them. And if you've met them, you know they're a lot of fun. So without further ado, it's time to meet them, Roy Broderick and Ashina Roman, co-founders of Intuition Atlanta, Georgia. When did I first meet y'all? Was it 2016? Mm, 2014. Yeah, 2014. 2014. 2014. Yeah. Okay, so I came in 2013 to AT&T. And 
Yeah, yeah. And I want to say if it wasn't NFC, it was BET. Might have been the first time when we first did the BET experience. I have but you never were, well, been maybe to BET. Never See, I think it was. Was it? I think it was. Was it Women of Power? No, because I knew you before Women of Power. We just um, didn't get to meet you. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We hadn't met you. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So over yeah. the phone, maybe. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. So 2014, yeah. 15, something like that. I was like, I just okay. remember when you came on the line, like, oh, who is this lady? She knows what she's talking about. Yes. She get right. us all the way together. Get Look, up. it isn't always <laughs> like that. <laughs> they bring these agencies to the table, and yeah, I'm like, hmm. I appreciate that. We okay. were on the line, like, yes, get us together, honey. Get us together. <laughs> I, remember, I remember saying, yeah, no, that's not going to work. So, uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> hey everybody, I'm so excited to bring on two of my friends, Roy Broderick and Ashina Roman from Intuition Consulting. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for joining the Culture Soup Podcast. Oh, thank today. you. We're excited. Here. Yeah. Yeah. So what have you guys been working on recently? Uh -huh. Lord. You know, that we're you consultants, so that means we do a little bit of everything. Uh, um, we um, do everything from working with um, some of our small business clients um, who are, um, we have a great client who actually has a beautiful uh, spa here in the Atlanta area and has um, also a product line that's about to go into a national mm -hmm. retailer. So getting her ready for that. Wow. Uh, you know, That's complete excellent. kind of rebranding work. Um, also working most recently with um, the Dallas Mavericks and helping them mm -hmm. come up with an approach for their African-American Heritage Night and how they really are celebrating culture through fandom um, and sports. So we um, dabble in a little bit of everything. So Awesome. So if you were going to tell me what your core business is, what do strategy you strategy is definitely it um you okay. know that sounds kind of foolish to say that we're an agency that specializes in strategy but um you know it, it's really about like how are we identifying audience how are we you know and how are we segmenting even within the segment uh to really micro target mm -hmm. uh to be able to trigger them to um, have some sort of conversion whether that be follow or purchase decision mm -hmm. um also, just once we've identified audience, you know, what are we, what is the messaging that we need to get out there? How are we crafting that messaging in a way that resonates with them? And then how do we put it out there? What tactics are we going to deploy? What channels are we going to tap into? Um, that's really what we work with our brands and even some of our small business clients on strategy. Excellent. Well, before we go forward, I want to go in and have a culture soup moment with you guys. You ready? Yeah. Let's do it. Okay, awesome. So, going through the threads, looking at Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, you name it. Gosh, I think this term has been around for a while. But I think we have to credit our LGBTQ of color friends for coming up with it. But I see everybody using it. And typically when they want to tell somebody to, you know, go girl or something like that, they use the hashtag work w-e-r-k and when i see that i think of you guys in intuition because you know what 
You guys have been in business for a very short amount of time and you are getting it. So when I think about Roy and Ashina, I say work. What do you think about when you see that hashtag? Yes, for me, um, I think that it's about um, exactly what you mentioned, like go for it. It is a um, you know, there's, I say all the time, there's, you know, one thing about working when you're hammering away, but when you're working it and you're killing it, um, that, is, that is when that comes uh, to mind. And so for us, we just love to see black people win, LGBT yeah. people win. Um, and, you know, being a member of the both communities, I, you know, love it to really pay homage to my sisters and brothers um, to say, let's work, you know, let's I get I love it. Well, and you know what? Performance excellence has been something that I harp on all the time because you can't be authentic in anybody's corporation or workspace if you have not kicked down the door with your awesome performance, right? Yeah. And this is what I know you guys for since, what, 2014, 15. This yeah. is probably the first time we got on the phone together. And just so everybody knows how we know each other, you know, I was working at AT&T at the time when you guys were um, contracted through diversity marketing, right? Yep, that's right. But I got to tell you, every time you guys touched any project, you gave the high touch. You know, yeah. the first thing I knew, if I got on site at an activation, Roy was standing there like he was the concierge at the hotel. <laughs> Making sure I had my room, my bag. He'd already checked me into my registration, like immaculate service yes. and that's what i think about when i think about you guys oh well good yes, uh, it could you. be it could be worse it could be exactly. <laughs> and i tell people that all the time like for us customer service and, and client service is our number one thing intuition i want you to get a full intuition experience and, and really be able to scream from the mountaintop that it was amazing and if you yeah. can't do that then we have not um made our mark and so mm -hmm. we really stand by that um, with our work yeah, and I think it's also, for us, it's a quality control thing, too, you know, that um, that from top to bottom, you know that you had a really um, kind of consistent experience, consistency is key, um, that you were dealing with the right, with the same person, and they gave you the same energy, no matter mm -hmm. if it was on the phone or in person or on site for an experience. Um, so that's something that's really important to us to communicate. So you know what you get, yeah. you know? the circumstance and, and that helps to alleviate a lot of concerns as a client especially as a brand like I don't always have a direct touch point to this thing but I'm trusting you to be able to ensure that my you know my clients my customers my consumers are going to have a great experience and, and that's what we hope to afford you by feeling comfortable you know with well, us. and you know what um, you guys you working for another company at the time but it didn't matter it was brand Roy and brand Ashina um, I loved it because, you know, in this very highly matrix organization where we found ourselves, you guys had direct client contacts, but you had all of these little feelers out for all the other touch points, including myself. So yeah. you weren't exactly my agency, but I sure yeah. felt like it. Yes. Yeah. And that's what we wanted to do. You know, for me, it was always, hey, how can I connect these other folks? There are a lot of folks that work at, you know, AT&T. How do I connect these other bad but black women you can say ass on the, on the culture suit we, we'll take that we don't beep that one out <laughs> bosses right B-O dollar sign dollar sign killing it you know how can I connect them to each other right mm -hmm. um, because 
Um, you're all in one place. You know, you're fabulous. You're fabulous. Do you know this person? Oh, yeah, I know her. I haven't met her before. Okay, girl, come on. Here mm-hmm. she is. Hey, meet. You know, because I think that's what you need. When you are the one burning the midnight oil, kicking butt in your business unit, you got to know that sister or that brother that you have, um, that black uh, other employee or colleague that you have that you can call on, that you can be like, girl, listen. Or y'all can just give each other the look, right? right. Because we all are in a society where um, Black folks are the culture. We set the culture. We set the trend. Mm-hmm. And um, I think our uh, white folks and in, in, in Caucasians are starting to finally get it, um, but still are tiptoeing around our genius. So. But you know what? They know it. They know they it. And it's funny when you use that Nielsen stat that uh, says black culture drives pop culture, their eyes just light up because they're like, oh, yeah, you know, because that commercial, they were playing Motown. I get it, you know. I mean, they get it, but sometimes it just takes the data. You know, you have to, like, share the data. Have you found that? Oh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely, because I think especially when you're dealing with, say, a, a huge company like, say, an AT&T, where, you know, uh, in as much as they know anecdotally, this might be something that um, would be attractive, you mm-hmm. have to validate the spend with the number, right? right? Um, you always, so in as much as this might be hot, mm-hmm. I can't make an investment in hot because right. hot is temporary. Hot is not sustainable. Right. How are we creating, um, you know, strategies that are driven by insights, that are driven by data? And which is why we always look back to strategy for us, because we get so annoyed when someone's like, oh, you know, it'd be cool. Like, yeah, you know what? You're right. It would be cool. However, what does the data tell us? Yes. This is going to be an effective um, option because I can't ask you to spend a million dollars because something's hot. Oh, you know what? I'm so glad you said that. Let me tell you why. (laughs) Because I have been on the line with quote-unquote multicultural practitioners in communications, PR, advertising, whatever. And I am still amazed at how many people would get on the phone and say, you know what? I think we should do X, Y, and Z because it feels right. You know, I see that around the corner in, in my neighborhood or whatever they have to say or gee, you know, I saw this article and it resonated with me. Let's build a program around it. I'm like, wait, 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 boo. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. need some numbers. Exactly. Are you seeing that? Or are people really honing their craft and digging in? Because we're in this we're in this totally different realm now. <laughs> Do you want the real answer? Yeah, I want the real <laughs> answer. Break it down. Having a real conversation. Think, you know, yes, this is real. One thing I... I recently had, you know, started to voice is this idea of um, I'm seeing it is I don't think it's just African-American women, but I'm Mm -hmm. seeing it um, when a marketing practitioner is in a role. They're in a marketing organization um, and they start to do things because they think they're the segment or they Mm -hmm. forget that, hey, it's not about you. Right. I'm talking about millennials and boo boo. You don't really fit that, right? Exactly. Um, So, or they'll say, my kids like this, so it's this. And I'm like, kids could not be um, who we're trying to reach. And Mm -hmm. so um, we're seeing, we're trying to guide people back to those facts and those figures in the research. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's it's really like breaking bad habits. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's really also um, them fighting against like their personal brand and the brand that pays their bills, right? Mm -hmm. So like there has to be that balance. Um, But if you ground everything you're doing in strategy and research, Mm -hmm. then you're covered, right? Um, Right. Versus just being like, 
you know, my child knows what blavity is. So, um, let's I think, go spend with them, right? You know what I mean? It's like, no, I'm sorry, that's not right, the right channel for that person. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be controversial, um, I think, but I think agencies get, um, they get known for doing a certain kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And it's easier to just throw out something because they know it'll make a good Instagram photo Mm. or, you know, um, this will, we like this artist and this artist is hot right now. So let's plug and play them. Um, And it's very easy for brands, especially brands that are trying to build affinity with a with a uh, segment like AA, mm-hmm. LGBTQ, to just be like, oh, well, they said that that's what we should be doing, so let's go with it. But it has to, there always has to be strategic insight that drives that. There's a, right. amazing ideas. There's really a, awesome, um, you know, hot, cool things to do, but it has to be more than just tactics. And that's something that we always get stuck on, even in our own practice and with our own um, people that we work with. Like, okay, that sounds cool, but you're just giving me tactics right now. Right. Tactics, let's talk about what's our core message. Let's identify that first. Mm -hmm. And then see whether Mm -hmm. or not that really aligns with who we're targeting and then drive it home with the data. We can't just do it because it's hot. Because I, I can't build ROI because... And the validation was is hot. Like it, totally. I need more than that. I need more than that. Have you seen and and this isn't just with multicultural markers, but even quote unquote general market markers, which I, I really I tremble at because if you're still calling it general market yeah. based on what the demographic data is right now, you're about to kill off your brand. <laughs> right? Because yeah. we know that the mass market is multicultural. <laughs> that being said, do you see brands just throwing celebrities at things? I, you know, uh, Skylar Rizal, uh, who's a good friend and colleague, calls it celebrity gumbo. Yep. Do you see that a lot? Yeah, it's like you get a partnership, you get a social, <laughs> you get a check, you get a check, and it's like everybody gets a check. Everybody gets a check. They all showed up, and we all were there. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, great. And, and what did it do for you? Exactly. And what did it mean? Right. You know, even if you get high impressions, what did, what happens after that? So a lot of people mm-hmm. saw it, but did that mean that now people, in, that increased purchase consideration? Right. Uh, did you see your followers grow? Did you right. see in-store traffic increase? Like, what did it result in? And Did it, you even get any loyalty from that influencer? Exactly. Exactly. The exactly. influencer themselves, right? Right. Uh, because, you know, all my influence, I say, get your check, right? Get your check. But really what folks are looking for is that true brand partnership, right? Mm-hmm. More than this one night stand or this one event appearance, what else can we be doing? Can mm-hmm. I be right. help develop content? Can I be some do some advertorial, advertorial things with you? Really use me for my genius versus just saying, hey, I need you to put this up on your Instagram and pop up at my event or sing a song or something. Like, you know. Well, and you know what? Isn't there... Um there's a way to start to organically build that relationship with that influencer, especially if you understand what that influencer likes, yep. what their passions are, and then they start to voluntarily yep. give you more than even what you ask. Um, Eva Green Wilson was like episode 
five or six, something like that, on the culture soup. Happens to be a girlfriend of mine, but she's Soka Mom. She's a blogger. Mm-hmm. And I remember, and you guys might have worked with her too. Yeah, yes, I remember her. Absolutely. Yes. There were times when we would just bring her ideas, but we were pushing those cultural nuances with her to get her so excited about it that she always over-delivered, working with Flowers Communications Group, right? So a great example of that was when we told her, hey, we're going to have some executives up at Howard University. Okay, first cultural nuance. She's like a recent grad of Howard Law. So she got excited about that. And we're like, "Um, but we want you to tell your story of your parents and how they immigrated over here um, as uh, Caribbean Americans. And that just like put her yeah. over the top. Yeah. And she ended up doing like a two or three part mini documentary series for us when we had only asked for maybe three tweets. Exactly. Yeah. And that's part of just you hit the nail on the head. Ask, right? Mm-hmm. Talk about what else do they need? Any type mm-hmm. of partnership should have mutual benefit. So, yes, mm-hmm. you're coming to the table saying, hey, I need you to do one, two, and three. But ask them what their interests are. And, mm-hmm. and that's a lot of the work that we do. Anytime someone calls us, whether it's a celebrity um, or an influencer, we usually have a personal relationship with them. So I'm, I'm not mm-hmm. only able to get you a cheaper rate, but I'm also able to tell you, like, you know what, girl? She's not really going to go for that. Here are the areas she's trying to get into. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can think about that. So when you go to them with that first ask, it can make sense. And, it, and that, that lets them put their guard down, but also makes them understand you want to build a relationship. why it's really important for people, for brands and companies to have people who are really savvy and really know who's who's hot for what um, out there because um, you have instances where, I, I forget the name of the uh, young actor who uh, is one of the co-stars of Blackish. I think his name is Luke Sabat, a, a fashionable one, the one who has the locks um, in it, where he was actually recently snoo- sued by Snapchat because he was supposed to be premiering those goggles, those uh, those those sunglasses, and he shared he shared a post or two, but it didn't result in the turnover that he essentially promised as the engagement. They sued him. Yes, yes, yes. Dang. So it the so that's even why it's more important for agencies or partners to really work with influencers, work with celebrities that truly align with what that brand's objectives are, because I think people are getting they're like, hey. I just cut you a check for $100,000. Yeah. I'm not doing that just for fun. I need you to really make sure mm-hmm. this feels organic to you so that you can bring your halo can kind of highlight what we're doing as well. Well, and we're in a totally different age with influencers and bloggers than we were, say, even five years ago. Mm-hmm. Where five years ago, six years ago, you had folks like Afrobella and Lovey mm-hmm. who were breaking through, right? Yeah. And you had a lot of other micro bloggers or influencers that were just kind of coming along. And I feel like sometimes marketers are stuck in five years ago because when they start to see the prices of a lovey or an Afrobella come back to them, they get the sticker shock like, (gasps) and I'm like, well, have you been following? She is not, you know, she has blown the F up. Yeah. Right? Okay. I was bestseller. Like this. Yes. Is- <laughs> um, do you, do you feel that brands sometimes get stuck in a time warp? I think or maybe so. they just don't understand that these influencers 
are growing their brands at such a rapid rate? I think it's a little bit of both, but I think the other piece is that brands never have felt comfortable understanding that they um, might not um, run a conversation. So in mm. that piece, when you have a lovey, right, who's a dear friend of mine, who will say, mine my, too. my price, <laughs> right, right, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, my price is my price, right? This is what it is. Mm-hmm. I don't think brands can really understand that because they don't recognize that they're running a business, right? right. They, they think that, oh, she's still at home doing this, you know, just just between whatever else she's doing and not really understanding um, that the growth has happened. And I think you see the same thing, Michelle, even in like sponsorships. It's true. Same thing over and over and over. And then when it's time for renewal and their property's like, here's the new price tag. They're like, what? And it's like, exactly. Been that for five years, hon. Like, yeah. You know. And you know what? I've seen this year over year as well. And I've warned, you know, my teams or whomever, you know, when I come back this year, it's going to look a little different. Exactly. Because there was this TED talk. There was this. There was that. There was this book. There was that. And yeah. Yeah. And I think absolutely. For- Sometimes, unfortunately, I hate to say it, but I still think there's a discounting of uh, multicultural and LGBTQ places that Mm -hmm. they really feel like if Kendall Jenner said I wanted $250,000 for this post, that sounds absolutely correct. But no questions asked. No questions asked, even though Mm -hmm. to me, you asked me is quite exorbitant. Um, But, you know, if someone who may have when you start breaking it down, following and the rate, they're like, whoa, wait a minute. Uh, that's a lot of money, you know? So yeah. unfortunately I still think there is that undercurrent of really not lending the true value of the power of that person's voice because it may, they may be multicultural. They may be a member of the LGBTQ yeah. community. I've seen that. And there have been times when, okay, maybe this person didn't have a million mm-hmm. followers. But maybe they had 10,000 and about 500 of them were like influencers and celebs like yeah. off the chain. And it was that influence the influencer type positioning yeah. that they had that whatever little algorithm, you know, the client might have been yeah. crunching. Oh, it just doesn't seem like she has enough reach. Are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to move away from vanity mm-hmm. metrics, you know, like the number of followers mm-hmm. doesn't mean anything if the engagement is low. You know, you have some micro influencers, you know, the term where somebody only has 25,000 followers, but those 25,000 followers are engaged in every single post. They're sharing, they're commenting, they're going, they're, you know, answering that call to action. So yeah, 25,000, but they're going to show results. You're going to see something happen as a result of that, as opposed to someone who may have 2.5 million and it just goes into the, you know, the black space of Instagram and Facebook. Yeah. So let's shift gears for a second. Black Renaissance. And y'all be real with me, okay? Because we've been throwing around this term for probably the last three or four years. We are in a black. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So there's one school of thought that says, oh, yeah, you know, um, entrepreneurs, tech startups, creators, they're having this renewal uh, in in creativity and even building businesses and black people are thriving in ways that they haven't before. Then there's another school of thought that says, you know what? The internet enabled a lot of it, but I think it probably just unveiled the creativity and innovation that the black community already had. 
So yeah, we have a, a heightened sense of it, but we've been in this renaissance for years. Which do you agree with, or is it somewhere in the middle? For me, it's kind of in the middle, because the one thing... <laughs> I can't wait to see what you're going to say. <laughs> I know, that look. That look. For me, I feel like we've always, we've always been the genius. We've always set the trend. We've always worked our ass off more than anyone else. So I, I, it kind of mm-hmm. like... The second one, I think, yes, the, the internet has helped optimize or, or amplify what we've been doing. I also say the internet has in a way, made entrepreneurship sexy again. So you have this spend of, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a doorpreneur, I'm, you know, I'm a brandpreneur, all these things. And it's like, okay, like, because, right, I mean, what I tell people all all day is that, like, entrepreneurship is hard, you know? Yeah, I say that all the time. Like, this is, you know, when people make this decision to really do it, um, it is not as glamorous as you see, right? It's not as sexy. In normal, you see, you know, my bad days on Instagram when a deal falls through. I'm I'm not going to be on my story like, oh, goodness, what happened? No. Like, so, you know. Right. So so I think it's, for me, somewhere in the middle um, for that reason. But what do you want to say? Yeah, I think think it's definitely a combination of of all those things. Um, You know, I've said before, creativity is, you know, kind of uh, a... african-american superpower like we we have found a way to get it done and in, in, in spite of just insurmountable circumstances part of that mm-hmm. is entrepreneurship maybe it didn't look like mm-hmm. me having a website and maybe it didn't look like me um having a coaching business but it looked like you know the lady down the street that big pies or the mm-hmm. the family that always had kids over that weren't always there but they watched them all day and then you make Right. You broke them off a little change at the end of the week for watching mm-hmm. them. You know, that those are the things that have allowed us to thrive. We've, we've always had kind of like a cottage industry and in, in, ingrained in, in, in us um, as a means of economic growth. So if anything, it's more formalized, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and more discussed, more, more, more known. Um, I don't think there is no boon that new boom that the internet, um, necessarily enabled. If anything, it's like, okay, well now it's an easy way for me to get this LLC. So I'll form, I'll, formu- mm-hmm. I'll formally do it. Um, and I think it's also economic as well. Um, one thing that we have seen is while, um, you know, African-American economic power, buying power has grown, our stance as in the economy hasn't. We've actually um, kind of gone, there has been little true growth in um, right. economic power um, for African-Americans. And I think that as a result of that, we've had to be that much more forward to say, okay, great, how are we going to get it done? Because... I, I did all the things, I got all the skills, but I'm still not making enough money for my family. Um, the, you know, I'm still overburdened with these. And now we have things like me and um, Roy, our generation, where our parents are not quite there, but they're at retirement age. How are we supplementing what their needs are? We may have children or nieces and nephews that we then have to think about. How are we helping the whole family as a unit to create economic power? So there is that incentive really think mm-hmm. about investing, creating new business opportunities, having a regular job and a side hustle um, that is making all of that come to the forefront. But it really ain't nothing new. We just have the means to talk about it and share on it. 
Yeah. So you guys took the leap into entrepreneurship almost three years ago. Tell me how you came to that conclusion to do that and take that leap. And what's that been like for you? Um, so I'll start. Um, I honestly just got sick of making money for white people. <laughs> like, that's the, mm-hmm. like, yeah, now, I, now I'm comfortable uh, staying in that way. I mean, we really um, were at a great place and did a lot of growth there. And then just we would always talk about this idea of we could do this better, Ooh, we could change this. And, and so we started to pour more and more in our, um, of ourselves into it. And then we realized that it just was never going to happen there. And so, um, you know, I was like, all right, I'm out, you know, cash talks. So, you know, I'm coming up for my review. I'm not getting what I want, even though you're saying I'm thriving, but you don't really see my, my worth. Um, so I left and then Ishina left shortly after me. Um, I went into a job at Allstate as a marketing director, the worst job of my life, because uh, it was boring and I know when you told me you were doing that, I was like, hmm, doesn't seem like a match. The coin coin was the motive at the time. But the (laughs) point is to breathe, but really it put me in a place to really think about what I want my legacy to be, um, what were my gifts and my strengths, and and it empowered me to say, let me create something for my community. Because when Intuition was first born, we only worked with small to mid-sized businesses. Because I come from a family of entrepreneurs. Um, they were successful in their own right, but I, I wouldn't. nobody broke a million dollars, right? And so um, it wasn't like a, a huge company. And so once I started to dive deep into kind of my purpose, what I wanted to do every day, um, I quit that job, started this company, um, and then, what, eight months afterwards, um, was on the phone with my, my homie, uh, who's been my homie for a while. And, um, and we, I never forget this conversation <laughs> because it was so passionate. I was talking to her about growth and where I was with the agency. And I'm like, yeah, girl, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. I'm like, but it just still, but then I meet like all my brand folks. So like you, Michelle, right? All my contacts that I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm starting an agency. However, I don't work with brands, you know, and just very silo mm-hmm. and she was like after that you can do it why just didn't get small yes. you just started a small business to stay small just really started to pour into me and pull in strings mm-hmm. and so I said if you think we can do that then come on because you know I can't do this alone and so she came on and you know since then it's been exponential growth and I say it's nothing but God because really um this has been a journey right Every day, every week um, has been the same. Intuition has grown past my own thoughts and understanding of what I hoped for it to do. It did that in the first year. When in the first Mm -hmm. year, you know, we hit over six figures. You know, myself. That's great. So it's like really Mm -hmm. thinking about um, that. This was nothing but God, and so we we keep that to our core. Um, So yeah, what you want? I think for me, um, (laughs) it was almost counterintuitive because I really started thinking about it more after I had my son. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I thought about me having that conversation with him about, you know, that all parents hopefully have with their children. Like, you can be anything you want to be, baby. Don't limit yourself. You can do it. You are capable of all things. And then really having that kind of come to Jesus moment with myself and be like, but have I really lived that? I really proven that to be true with for my own self. And, and feeling yeah. kind of almost convicted to be like, wow, how can I have this conversation with my son, telling him and encouraging him 
to do all the things that he has dreamed to do. And I haven't necessarily really done that for myself. I haven't taken the risk to do that. And, you know, because mm-hmm. there had been a time before when I considered entrepreneurship and, um, it was funny because, it, you know, God clearly knew maybe I wasn't quite ready. And I got a job offer right around the time when I was really thinking about formalizing that. And I said, I ran after that job. Like, yes, check. Thank you. <laughs> I will take the man's money. <laughs> yes, Lord. But you know what? I'm so it was perfect timing because I literally found out I was uh, pregnant with my son a, a week after I started my mm-hmm. job. And I met this guy mm-hmm. on that Oh, it's just interesting how God ordered your steps because had I never, had I not taken advantage of it, you know, who's to say what would have happened. But, you know, when I got to a place where, as you, I remember that conversation too, I was hype. I was jumping around the living room, like, we gonna do this, man, you know? (laughs) And, um, I really was like, you know what? Take a chance on you. You know, no one care about Mm -hmm about this work. No one cares about the people that you are trying to target. We are trying to celebrate mm-hmm. more than you. Um, not, mm-hmm. not any other company that you work for, especially one that doesn't necessarily see talking to this segment um, any more than just a line item. So, so let's right, do that. Let's right. bring that celebration. Let's bring that passion and the expertise and business acumen. Let's join it all together and really build this up. Well, and you know, I talk about authenticity all the time and the paradox of the double outsider as black women bringing our full self to corporate America. It's tough. And it ain't always absolutely something you can do. And that's something that I've been grappling with because it's just not my whole self as a like black woman. It's my whole self in the way I think strategically I'm a huge, big thinker. And, you know, I can't dumb it down. Like, I have to bring all of me. Otherwise, I'm not happy. How does it feel as an entrepreneur to walk into that space every day and be you no matter, no matter, no matter? Yeah, that's that's something that we um, demand from our team, right? Demand mm-hmm. everyone show up in their full self, right? I make a joke mm-hmm. all the time, like, you never know what I'm gonna wear, right? We'll meet mm-hmm. in and, you know, this is my dresses and my suit and my booted friend. We'll give you all the corporate tea that you need. <laughs> you know, like, with a rainbow sequin kimono, like, are we ready? And so, you, know, you never know what you're gonna get. But I really want people to, to, to live in that, right? That's the last thing yeah. you have to worry about when you walk to your job, about what right. kind of code switching do I have to do? Or is my idea too big for me to share? Like, no. Demand right. they respect your genius. If they don't, F them. Like, go somewhere. Exactly. Where someone can appreciate that. Or as I say, step down and plan before you step out, right? Because some bullshit mm-hmm. don't believe that. But, but yeah. I think that there's a way in really um, doing it and, and you know that feeling. So for, for me, every day, I love it. Um, I demand it from the team. Um and, and we always say, like, it should not be suffocated. It should be celebrated, right? Your difference in mm-hmm, mm-hmm. how you show up in that. So. Yeah. yeah. Freeing. It feels freeing. That that, that really is it. Um, I think, uh, you know, uh, Michelle, as a, as a black woman, it can be tough sometimes um, mm-hmm. because there is that, ma- the patriarchy that you're dealing with, 
you know, mm-hmm. like, how am I speaking to this male figure? Like, does he feel like I'm being, you know, aggressive? I definitely mm-hmm. heard those kind of terms, you know, and I'm like, now if I, if my name was Jim and I was, oh uh, yeah, would you take what I'm saying as aggressive, you know, or, or a little bit, mm-hmm. they're a little bit intimidated and you're like, why? Because I, I know what I know what I know and I'm sharing this with you. Like, why? Why right. is that a problem? Um, so it can it can sometimes feel stifling and suffocating. And, you know, I have my moments where even I'll talk to Roy like, oh, man, uh, I don't have this ready. I just all I have is jeans. And he's like, and you work for yourself. Like, what? what? <laughs> exactly. What are you talking about? So I have those my own moments where I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot. Like, I'm a boss. Let me put on what right. I'm going to put on today. Well, it's convicting, too, because, I mean, we carry the message of clients that are all talking the talk of diversity and inclusion. And we're saying, oh, yeah, bring your whole self to work. And if we can't live that ourselves, you know, we got some soul searching to do. Yeah, yeah. But it's hard to unlearn. It it is really hard to unlearn, especially like, um, you know, I think Roy can agree, like in, in my background, when you are young talented kid, you know, special Mm -hmm. kid, you know, all those labels, you get into these accelerated programs. There is a formula that you, that they teach you. Like, this is how you dress. This is how you talk. These are the the programs that you get into. These are the uh, Greek organizations that you're you should be interested in. These are the colleges that you go to. This is the church you attend. So it's not just even about being an African-American within um, the African-American community, there very much is like a script that sometimes you follow. So it's, it, it takes time to unlearn oh, yeah. and really come to terms with like, no, this is my authentic self. This is who I am. This is where I'm greatest at when I just am genuine. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, for me having run an agency, I did for 10 years myself and being out there, and discovering my entrepreneurial self because I kind of fell into it. I was not even trying. It just Uh happened and I just ran with it and then flipping the script and coming back to corporate, well, back to a global agency first and then going to corporate. um, I planned on being unapologetic from jump, right? And I was just going to blaze through. (laughs) You know, at some point I was wearing my big old fro. I got, I talked about my my nose ring the last episode. (laughs) But yeah, I did all of that knowing that I was being as excellent as I possibly could. But then I started to realize that there were times when the little blowback that never really came to you, that came through other people, was associated with all these different tropes. And I also understood that it wasn't just the white people. In some cases, white people were calling BS, right? But it could be your own people. It could be Latinos. It could be, you know, Asians, whoever that have bought into that corporate power structure and then turn and look at the black woman and say, well, gee whiz, is she really supposed to be speaking up that way? And you have to question that. Like, Absolutely. It's something that, um, you know, you, you deal with, you know, and, and even, even in our roles, you know, quite being all the way real and I'm expressing this, he's going to have a problem because I'm telling, I'm spilling our tea right now, but I, even find, <laughs> look at this. I, he's like, 
find that those dynamics exist even when we're working with other brand partners, our contacts. He's laughing because he knows what I'm talking about. Like, we just mm-hmm. know that that category of, of our client is going to deal with you. Mm-hmm. He's, they're not going to deal with yeah. me. You have a to certain do that. kind of dynamic that they're accustomed to that they respond mm-hmm. better with. And, um, you know, that's kind of the tiptoe that you do in the business is like, how much do you kind of force people to come into what your standard practice is, what your culture is, mm-hmm. and how much do you yield to them to make them feel comfortable and understanding mm-hmm. that there are certain clients, you're the contact, certain clients, I'm the contact. It just is what it is. Um, and that's how we kind of do that balance of, let me honor you where you're at, but I'm also going to force mm-hmm. you to adjust a little bit by being in our greater culture. But I, I, I respect mm-hmm. that you might take a little longer to get there. So you talk to that person mm-hmm. or you talk to me. Yeah. Anything intuition's working on right now that's exciting that you can talk about? Yeah, I would say um, our National Museum of African American Music client, um, they are scheduled to open next year, so we're super excited about wow. that. Where um, is that? Atlanta? No, it's in National Tennessee. It's oh, cool. uh, 56,000 square feet um, of museum space that's going to chronologically tell the story of how we, African Americans, influence music across all the genres. Mm. Uh, it is going to be amazing, and we've, they've been our client um, for quite some time. And so uh, we are planning our second year of their annual Legends Gala, uh, which happens um, May 30th. 30th. And um, so that's exciting because we always get to honor um, true living uh, Black legacies uh, through music. Um, and uh, they've just been a great client to have because, it's you know, when you think about legacy and projects that you're like, I'm glad I worked on this. This is definitely one of those for us. It feels good. It aligns with all of our um, three core pillars, which are community purpose and culture for us as an agency. And so um, that's right now what we are kind of heads down doing and then preparing for their grand opening as well, which is which is like freaking amazing because I'm like, how the hell do you open these in? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and seeing it from the ground up because we right. started working with them before they even broke ground uh, wow. so to really see it all the way through it's like it's like watching your baby finally grow up and yeah. really exciting that's amazing so where can people find information about intuition um, yeah. You can check out our website, intuitionatl.com. Um, we're also on all social channels as Intuition ATL um, or on LinkedIn as Intuition Consulting Firm. Yep, and you can email us. So you can email team, T-A-M, at intuitionatl.com as well. And a member of the team will get back with you. Excellent. And how can we follow you guys personally? Yep, so my... Um, handles um <laughs> it's so funny when i have to say this my handle is royality so r-o-y-a-l-i-t-e-x own it honey own <laughs> it <laughs> my uh i'm it's ishina so i-t-s-e-s-h-e-n-a um you can look at all the things that i do which is really deal with my son you know i'm definitely like a mom blogger in my <laughs> I love it. I love it because he's, such, he's right? precious. Yeah, thank you. He's such an important part of the journey. But and, and being a, a mom, business lady is is one of the most difficult assignments I've ever had. So yeah, it's Ishina. Awesome. 
Guys, thanks so much for coming on. Is there anything you want to add before we go? I just want to say thank you to you and I'm just proud of you and and I want you to continue. Just continue. If you need a pep talk, you can call me. We have both. Oh, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I just want to say thank you and and this has been great and uh, we definitely have to get back on here um, when you need us. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. We we enjoy you always and we really appreciate this. We we had a blast. Awesome. Thanks, you guys. Bye-bye. Excellent. Thank you, Roy and Ashina. Everybody, we have a 30-minute mentor free masterclass happening today, 7 o'clock tonight. So make sure that you register. Go to the 30minutementor.com. It's all about authenticity. And it's called Authenticity 101. I hope to see you in the virtual space. Also coming up, we have a conversation with the CEO of Denny's Restaurants, John Miller. Yeah, you want to talk to him because he has a lot going on with his brand around culture and technology that maybe you didn't know. Find out more about The Culture Soup at theculturesoup.com. Find us on Instagram and Twitter at The Culture Soup. And you know what? See you next week. The Culture Soup Podcast is a production of No Silos Communications.